Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the In the Mood for Fantasy Football podcast, a pro football network show that keeps you up to date on the current NFL news and how to adjust your lineups on a weekly basis with start set, waiver wire, and draft advice. I'm Eric Moody. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric N. Moody. And my co-host is Tommy Garrett, who you can follow at Tommy Garrett PFN. Hey, we've got a phenomenal show planned for you. We've got a lot of breaking news that's coming through as well that we'll touch on. But before we do that, Tommy, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, Today's always a very interesting day in the fantasy football calendar and just NFL in general because it's cut day. So it's it's one of those, especially if you're in Dynasty where you see a lot of those guys you've kind of been hanging on to for years and kind of hoping that they do something. You kind of see like, okay, these guys are changing teams, they no longer have a job. It's So it's very interesting to me to see how the NFL landscape kind of sh- how it shakes out now. I know not all the cuts are going to be made all today. We're going to see some big ones, which uh, we had a little bomb come across the, come across the news earlier today, but it's it's an interesting day. Um, preseason's over, so we kind of now can move forward, and hopefully no one else gets hurt during this next week and a half mm. or whatever it is until the start of the regular season. I'd really appreciate that at this point because there's only so many landmines you can dodge in fantasy football until it's going to come up and bite you. Yeah, no, no, very, very true. It's been odd with having the uh, the preseason can only be, you know, the, the three weeks. You know, we're just used to you know, tell. all the different – yeah, it's just it, it it felt a little bit different, but still, you know, you still have kind of the same narratives and uh, position battles, you know, that are uh, yep. that are coming in. So I guess we can dive into it. So I know just to set the stage for everyone, I, I know we want to talk about uh, like quarterbacks, you know, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. You know, that Tommy and I have drafted the most this summer, or just players that recently we've been heavily targeting, you know, in our drafts. Uh, but before we do that, I know we had some breaking news. So. Looks like the New England Patriots have announced, you know, that Mac Jones will be the week one starter and not Cam Newton, who was also subsequently released. And so literally right before Tommy and I were going to record this, that news hit. So, Tommy, I'll start with you. What's your thought on this news? What's your fantasy analysis, et cetera, et cetera? Go. I did not see this coming. I'll be honest. Um I figured with the moves they made in the offseason, bringing Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry, and kind of revamp that entire pass catcher group, which was the worst that there was in the NFL in 2020, you kind of set the stage to be able to say, okay, look, Cam Newton, we're not going to hold what happened last season against you. Um, you're coming off an injury plagued finish in Carolina. You had the whole pandemic and everything that kind of led into a condensed offseason. So it was, everything was set up there to say, look, we can let's move past that. And let's let's move into the future. And it's it's very un Bill Belichickian to want to start a season with a rookie 
quarterback, especially when he thinks he could still be contending in the AFC East. Um, mm-hmm. I figured it would happen at some point, likely if the Patriots knew they weren't going to be in the playoffs um, with their week 14 bye week, they, you would know by then, or also if Cam Newton uh, suffered an injury. So to see this be the day one move is massive. Um, Mac Jones has looked fantastic in camp, mm-hmm. according to all reports. We've seen him play well in the preseason. Um, he kind of walked into New England camp the same way he was strutting at the NFL draft, like he had a chip on his shoulder. Uh, good for him. Hey, it, it totally worked out apparently because he's walking in day one of the starting quarterback. Uh, it's going to be a boost up for uh, the running back, especially Damian Harris. Uh, yes. Cam Newton last year, um, had, he led the team in red zone uh, rushes. I think he had 47 last year, which led to 12 of his rushing touchdowns. Um, also, it's going to be obviously a boost, I think, for the passing game. Someone like a Jacoby Myers, even someone like a uh, Nelson Aguilar, who is could be that mm-hmm. deeper threat on this team. Um, be interested to see how this affects the tight ends. Last year, Cam Newton had 68.1% of his passes were 10 yards or fewer in intended air yards. So now you bring in uh, Mac Jones, who has a whose best trait is his quick decision, especially in tighter uh, areas of and contested catches. We kind of saw that go back to Alabama. So he's going to be willing, to, I think, to throw the ball a little bit more aggressively than Cam Newton would. That should help stretch the field. And honestly, it's going to make New England Pages a little bit more of a dangerous team. Um, they were led the league last year in terms of players who opted out, especially on the defense. You bring all those guys back, you bring in a brand-new quarterback who fits the system that they ran for almost two decades mm-hmm. with um, Tom Brady and all that. You're kind of going back to what you what you know to a certain extent. Um, we'll see what happens with Cam Newton. There are some quarterback-needy teams, so I'm sure he will land on his feet. Uh, but in terms of the Patriots, I think we can only look at this as an upgrade for the running backs Uh wide receivers and tight ends this one curious what your thoughts are yeah no i, I think you and i are are uh, aligned because uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really high on uh, damian harris even before yeah. this news and so i'm um, you know my excitement about what he can do this year uh you know i'm ecstatic you know because he's not going to have cam newton potentially vulture you know goal line opportunities from him and he excelled last year you know as a as a runner you know james white will obviously still be involved but you know, I think as far as rushing attempts, Harris will have a, uh, a stranglehold, you know, on those opportunities. Yeah, I would say um, one other observation was just looking at Cam Newton's uh, contract. It was very in- incentive laden yes. for where he had a lot of uh, kind of checks that he had to pass uh, in order to get compensated. And so when you combine that and then the Patriots drafting Mac Jones and, and everyone knows his body of work in college at Alabama was uh, yeah. superb. And so it just sounds like he outperformed Newton in camp. And I, and I think with Newton kind of having that COVID quote unquote mishap last week yes, and then being able to lose like precious practice days and snaps and, and reps, I think it ultimately ended up costing him. So I'm really excited to see what this offense uh, offense looks like. So yeah, I, I know he, some, Oh yeah, go ahead, Tommy. I was going to say last year, he actually, mm-hmm. he had the same thing. He had a, he had, he contracted COVID-19 and when he came back, mm-hmm. it's, he even said after the season, that it had a massive impact, and he had a hard time recovering from that again. So if you saw the impact it had on him last year, you mm-hmm. don't want to have all of a sudden that start with him again this year. Like, I think you're absolutely right that that might have been a, a deciding factor in this. Yeah, just any time that you're in a uh, a battle, you know, even in, in football, you, you don't want to miss, like, practice days. You don't want to give your competition, like, uh, like an opportunity. So I know yeah. some uh, other big news, uh, huge ripple effect uh, in Baltimore with the Ravens and – Second-year running back J.K. Dobbins uh, going down with the knee injury. You know, it's confirmed that he's dealing with a torn ACL and yep. will obviously be out for the season. So now the spotlight now is being 
shine brightly on on Gus Edwards, who you and I are very high on. We've talked a lot about yeah. Gus Edwards uh, online, like in podcasts like this and offline, too. So mm-hmm. what's your assessment of this uh, situation, unfortunately, for Dobbins in uh, the Ravens backfield? You know, going. I think this, this now makes it what four straight podcasts we've talked about Gus Edwards like yeah it, it's one of those things where you hate the situation um mm-hmm. but it's a guy who we were both high on coming yes. into like you love what JK Dobbs can do in the field and especially what he was going to get an entire run this year without having to deal with the the backfield committee he was in last year um it's a massive opportunity for Gus Edwards um it's a guy who the Baltimore Ravens love more than a lot of people mm-hmm. think at times um, he's had three years of 130 plus carries and 700 plus yards. They signed him to a two year, $10 million extension. So we know he's going to get a lot of run in this offense. For me, if I was never like necessarily, and I wasn't necessarily like one of the high end RB2 guys for JK Dobbins just because I felt the committee was going to be there still. Um, mm-hmm. I, for me, he was in like the running back 18. So if I, if you're aligned kind of in that kind of thought process, I think you can just essentially just put Gus Edwards in that exact same spot. It, wherever you felt you would have taken J.K. Dobbins, you could take Gus Edwards in the same spot now. With his ADP being suppressed still because it has not caught up to where it is after you've, you know, you've had months of drafts that have set kind of set the ADP where it is. Um, there's some sites where you can go and kind of see like the recent trends and things like that. So your odds are you're going to be able to get Gus Edwards a little bit later on your drafts than you would have had to spend that late third round pick on J.K. Dobbins or like that early second round pick wherever he's going on your format. Um, but it's a guy who if you want to make sure you would come out of your draft with him, and I would reach around early, especially wherever you think he's going to finally pop up. I would absolutely uh, jump in there, get him ahead of anyone else. Uh, he's going to be right in that in the Miles Gaskin, Mike Davis, Chris Carson kind of range in your drafts, um, and I think it makes a lot of sense. The Baltimore Ravens, you know, they run the ball more than anyone else. Yes, Lamar Jackson does take a good a good chunk of that on his own. He's got back to back back to back one thousand yard rushing seasons. But this offense is still predicated and is going to run through the running back. So between him, um, I, I think Gus Edwards steps into a massive, massive opportunity with the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, no, agree 100%. So, hey, the opportunity is there uh, for the taking. And I'd love to be able to snag uh, Edwards like in a fantasy draft, like as my uh, RB2 or RB3. And Absolutely. I could care less whether it's half-point PPR, PPR, or standard. Doesn't matter. Like, Nope. I'm, I'm very comfortable with him as my uh, RB2. And maybe yep. some scenarios where you can get him as your uh, RB3. And just think about the upside with having like a flex option uh, like that in your lineup. So, again, yep. uh, unfortunate situation uh, for, for Dobbins. Um, obviously, Gus Edwards is trending up. But just to kind of close the loop on Dobbins, I would say even from like a dynasty lens, um, I think now is a good, a, a good opportunity to, uh, to target him. Uh, it's still yep. early, you know, obviously early in the season. So he'll have time to go through like a close to a full year of uh, rehabilitation. And so, again, keep him uh, on your radar. So with that being said, you know, with those news items, hey, we, we have to hit on that, you know, with uh, those Absolutely. two uh, news items from a fantasy lens. So what we could do now, Tommy, let's go ahead and transition to quarterbacks and running backs, you know, that we have, uh, I guess, aggressively targeted and acquired on uh, many of our teams. So I'll start with you at the quarterback position. You know, what are some names of players that um, that you've been prioritizing? A big one for me has been Jalen Hurts. Um, mm-hmm. We always talk about the, the rushing upside being such a massive factor at the quarterback position for fantasy football and how much it just elevates the floor of some of the players. And it's, mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts is one of the most prolific rushing quarterbacks that's in the NFL. Grant, we've seen a small sample size of what he did last year, but we can go back to his time at either Alabama or at Oklahoma and know the skill set this guy has. 
it's I, I saw this very interesting tweet, and I want to bring this one up. It was the quarterbacks with the most 300-plus uh, passing yard games and 60-yard rushing games in NFL history. Steve Young is number one in the NFL with four. Tied at number two is Russell Wilson and Michael Vick at three. Tied at number four, Donovan McNabb, Rich Gannon, Dante Culpepper, and Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. He's tied for fourth all time in that category, and the guy has three, basically three full games in the NFL. If you look at the time when he was in there, he was only one rushing yard behind Lamar Jackson heading into Week 17 yeah. when the Eagles pulled. I don't even want to know what what they did in that final game when they pulled Jalen Hurts and just said, "Eh, we're good." Great, it got you Devonta Smith. So hey, congratulations, you pulled the you pulled yeah. the rug out from everyone. But we also know you you completely take that game. But no, for me, Jalen Hurts. I mean, I I've been very vocal about that. I believe he's going to be a much better passer this year. You bring in, like we said, Devonta Smith, and this one, the offensive lines will be much better. And especially like the the Eagles last year, they played fourteen different offensive line combinations in their sixteen games. No one is going to succeed, and that's why you saw Carson Wentz get hit as much as he did. He got gun shy to, to a certain extent. Jalen Hurts is going to be able to extend that play if he does get pressure. You bring in Devonta Smith. You have Jalen Rager, who, in all ten, who all intents and purposes, has looked fantastic in camp. Mm-hmm. Kind of has that swagger back. Looking at that, you know, that massive one-handed catch kind of broke the internet. Um, you have Zach Ertz still on the team. You have Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders, <laughs> Kenneth Gainwell in the backfield. I think this is an offense that's going to be set up for success. Both Brian, um, both uh, Sarani. Um, and their offensive coordinator combined those two oh, last yeah. year ranked top 10 in pace per game so I think you're going to be able to project the Eagles in the exact kind of same situation think they're going to be some negative game starts with that defense so for me I think Jalen Hurts absolutely has QB1 upside uh, it's for me he's already locked inside the top 10 um, we could see him push a little bit higher um, but it's a guy who I've been very heavily invested in love it I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best to contain my, my excitement Overhearing about uh, Jalen Hurts, so again, can't help I'm, it. Can't let it out. I, I know, I, I know, I love it. You know, I'm also excited about, uh, you know, about Hurts and uh, what he can do. I would just say, never underestimate the progression like a player can make, especially rookies. You know, from one season Absolutely. to the next, so that the table is being set. So, um, I would say another quarterback, you know, that I'm really high on that's in a similar tier. Uh, as Jalen Hurts is uh, Matthew Stafford, so yep. he's able he's able to uh, exit the dysfunction uh, in Detroit, and especially over the last couple of seasons. They really haven't maximized like his skill set, you know. So he lands in Los Angeles, you know, much better weather. You know, he's got great offensive weapons in Cooper Cup, you know, Robert Woods. You know, he's got Tyler Higby. You know, he's got you know Daryl Henderson, you know, running back. They've added Sony Michelle. Unfortunately, we have you know Ken Akers with his injury. He's out, but uh, he's also has Sean McVay. You know, the, whether you want to call him the the Wonder Boy, you know, the the next you know Bill Belichick. You know, everyone has their nickname. But I'd say one thing about McVay: if you've got a offensive mastermind who is was able to make Jared Goff, Jared yeah. Goff fantasy relevant and now he gets someone the caliber of Matthew Stafford I'm excited to see the uh the fireworks that occur uh when these two are united for a regular season and I'm as high on Stafford where I would say that he does have the potential you know he's my dark horse candidate if you're talking about bold predictions you know to finish as the fantasy QB1 uh in that scheme and the weapons that he has so that's how high I am on him do you uh agree with that or disagree Tommy I love Stafford. I you pretty much don't everything. The only thing you don't have with him is you don't have the rushing upside with some of the yeah. quarterbacks. But he has such a prolific arm that he kind of makes up for it. And mm-hmm. you put him with arguably one of the best play callers in the NFL with Sean McVay, who now who does not feel 
um, handicapped to a certain extent to yeah. take things out of his playbook. He's now can run free and do whatever he wants to because he knows whatever throw he and whatever play design he wants to run out there, Matthew Stafford can make that throw. And it's going to be yeah. exciting now for the NFL landscape to kind of see Matthew Stafford flourish. Because, I mean, it's not everyone watches Detroit Lions games. I mean, we can kind of understand why. But when you put someone with the <laughs> Los Angeles Rams in the toughest division of football that is full of offensive talent and that has a defense that is going to keep them in any single game, Matthew Stafford is absolutely set up for success. So, yeah, as a, a late-round QB1 guy, because he's, he's one of those guys, too. He's a perfect example of why we always advocate to wait at quarterback to a certain extent. You could be the last person in your draft and walk away with a Jalen Hurts, a Matthew Stafford, or even like a Ryan Tannehill in the 12-team league. So I think it's absolutely perfect because like bringing that upside, Stafford could very easily have a career year this year. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I'll, I'll uh, throw out my second quarterback, and then I'll, I'll cl- uh, pass it back to you to, to kind of close the loop on the quarterback position. But I'd say another quarterback, you know, really briefly that uh, I've been aggressively targeting uh, was uh, Jameis Winston. And I know it was a lot of uncertainty figuring out, is it going to be Jameis Winston or is it going to be Taysom Hill? And my stance has always been, if you've got someone like Winston that's there, who has the statistical body of work that he does, you know, at the NFL level, I know everyone's thinking about the turnovers and interceptions, but you can't have that overlook everything else that he did really well. Yep. And so he was always my favorite to uh, to start for the Saints. And so, you know, he had a really nice ADP, uh, and, you know, during the summer just because of that uncertainty. But now that he's the guy, you know, he's, uh, he's really my preferred target, at least for those that are drafting now, especially if you're in uh, super flex with two quarterback leagues. You know, Land Winston is your QB2 or potentially your QB3. And I think you'll be very happy with the results. You know, the New Orleans offense has always been prolific. And just as a reminder, before I pass it over to you, Tommy, it the Saints offense has always been more than just Drew Brees. He's just happened to be the quarterback that's been in the seat that entire time since yeah. Peyton has been in the Big Easy. You know, but he's really the architect of this offense. And I think Winston's a great fit for it. So, Tommy, who's your second QB? Um, another one for me like, is going to be Ryan Tannehill, a mm-hmm. uh, guy who got a massive contract with the Tennessee Titans. Another guy who also does bring that rushing upside that a lot of people don't necessarily expect. Mm-hmm. Um, look, over the last two seasons, the guys averaged 23.1 fantasy points per game at the quarterback position, which is sensational. Um, QB one in 54% of his games, QB two or better in um, what's that, 83% of his games um, over the last two seasons. Now you bring in Julio Jones. You have a flourishing A.J. Brown who showed last year that his touchdown upside is more of a pattern than it was an outlier um so you're expecting a lot of big things with him they don't really necessarily need a, a third option in that offense anytime you want to just rely on the rushing game you have Derek Henry back there behind you uh so for me I absolutely love Ryan Tannehill like I said in that same kind of range and look if you take one of these guys late in drafts use your final draft pick on like either Trey Lance or Justin Fields like the amount of upside these guys have like you're talking about another guy you can get that is going to be a QB1 with the type of upside that they have it depends on whether you want to trust when eventually these guys are going to play. I just my I would always recommend stashing these guys, even the one quarterback league where I never advocate taking two quarterbacks because of how deep that it is. This is one of those situations where I could say, you know what, as a final bench spot, take a stash on one of these guys because you know they could pay off, and you can have another QB one down the stretch. You can just play the matchup game with. Yeah. No. No. Exactly. No. Uh, well said. So, uh, I guess moving on to running backs. You know, I'll kick us off uh, with this positional group. I know one running back I, I just can't quit is uh, is David Montgomery. It was the same thing last year, mm-hmm. and it's the same thing going into this year. You look at Montgomery, you know, you look at some of his stats, you know, averaged 20 opportunities last season in Chicago, 
Closed out last season strong, you know, a league winner. Took advantage of favorable matchups uh, from week 12 through 17. Six consecutive RB1 performances. Averaged nearly 26 PPR fantasy points per game. I was like, it was just phenomenal. He's still in the position to see similar volume this year. You've got Tariq Cohen that's there. You know, he's still on the pup list. You know, to be determined what the Bears are going to do with him. You've got Damian Williams that's there. You know, he was out of the league last year. He took a, a COVID year. Uh, but he's really more of like a change of pace option. So nothing really changes uh, for Montgomery. Uh, but he's still a really nice value, in my opinion, in drafts. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's one of those things where, like, you know, we use that. It's very interesting when you throw the name narrative into it. We used the end-of-season performance of Jonathan Taylor and how great he was down the stretch and how how well he played. The same thing mm-hmm. with J.K. Dobbins. Um, but yeah. when you look at Taylor and David Montgomery, they did the same thing where they had where they blew up against some of the worst defenses in the NFL. So you can't use that narrative to pump up one person for as much as I love J.K. Dobbins and yeah. use it as a negative against David Montgomery. We need to be consistent in how we use the information that's available. Um, yeah. And it's look, he did what he was supposed to do against those teams. Like, what else do you mm-hmm. want if you're a fantasy manager? Um, like I said, I, I totally agree with you when yeah. it comes to Dave Montgomery. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be solid this year. Um, one guy for me, and it's I've kind of went very bullish and kind of then cooled off, and I'm somewhere back, kind of back in the middle. It's Miles Gaskins, uh, the running back with the Miami Dolphins. He averaged 18 or more touches per game when active last season, including 4.1 receptions per game, which puts him on pace for 60 catches over full season. That's Austin Eckler territory. He had the 10th highest fantasy points per game of running backs last year who played in five games. When he had those couple injuries that kind of knocked him out, after they missed those four games, Gaskin returned all of a sudden to then have 23 touches in Week 13. And then after missing two more games, he had 19 touches in Week 6. He averaged at 97.2 scrimmage yards per game. The issue then, like I said, that's where you, you're really high on him. Then we kind of bring it back down because you have the quotes coming out from Brian Flores where he kind of says, you know, pick one and put him in the game. They all kind of do the same things, and it's going to be almost like running the hot hand because we got to remember he does come from the New England Patriots tree, and we know how they like to run their running backs. Um, they brought in Malcolm Brown. You do have Salvin Ahmed back there, who we do believe will likely be the art running back too, and he looks good. He was one of my favorite UDFA's um, of his of his rookie year. So I, I do really like Miles Gaskin as a a guy you can get as a late RB two. Um, you can even get him as like an RB three if you do kind of go running back heavy and then capitalize on that wide receiver depth this year. But in terms of touches, he kind of ticks all the boxes in terms of a guy who's going to get. A lot of opportunities, plus gets good involvement in a rush in the uh, in the running game, and it's a defense that's going to keep this team in games. Uh, we'll see what happens with the quarterback situation. Who yeah. knows? So that might change things. But as of right now, I'm I'm really big. I'm been really big on Miles Gaskin. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree with you. Yeah, it's just with all, again with the uncertainty, it kind of gives people pause. Yeah. Like, whoa, whoa, you know, wait a minute. And so, uh, yeah, there's always opportunity in chaos. You know, Sun Tzu mentions. Uh, I'll say another running back as you were going through that 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 really kind of really came to mind was uh michael carter uh you know with the jets mm-hmm. uh i know that javante williams and rightfully so has garnered a lot of attention uh just given yep. his you know collegiate body of work and the situation there but carter was definitely no slouch i know he's accumulated i think it was around like 1512 total yards like on 187 opportunities last season uh for the tar hills and he was a uh, part of a committee obviously with javante williams so uh, he was just really just kind of overshadowed by Williams. Again, he Williams just had a monster uh, last season there. 
Uh, but one thing like with Carter that shouldn't come up, shouldn't be overlooked, I would say, is that he finished fourth like in UNC history with 3,404 career rushing yards. Now the Jets, hey, it's a backfield, uh, a ton yeah. of opportunities there for the taking, and so he's generated a lot of buzz uh, during you know training camp and also during preseason, and so the the hype continues to build. But you know he's someone that I've been aggressively acquiring uh, in drafts. The thing with Carter, and I, w- I would recommend if you do select him, use a little bit of, of patience because we're not entirely sure yet how the backfield is going to shape out in the beginning of the exactly. year, how they're going to use Ty Johnson, uh, LaMichael P. Ryan. Um, so we'll, it'll be interesting, and Tevin Coleman especially too. Yeah. So we'll kind of have to see how that rotation kind of shakes out, but I do absolutely agree that Michael Carter is a guy who's, for as, like I said, as much talk that Javante Williams got, Michael Carter deserves as much respect as as he should get because honestly he might have been the best scheme fit of the entire draft class last year uh, just because mm-hmm. of the Jets wanting to run that kind of that wide zone and we kind of saw what he can do in this offense. Um, I'll touch on one more rookie real quick before we move on uh, to wide receivers. Mm-hmm. For me, it's going to be Najee Harris. Um, I'm an unabashed Najee Harris believer um, because he's given us no other reason not to trust him. Um, in his final two seasons with the Crimson Tide, he had almost 2,700 uh, rushing yards on 460 carries, had 39 touchdowns, throws on another 730 receiving yards for 11 touchdowns. The Pittsburgh Steelers last year completely abandoned the running game. They were 28th in attempts, 32nd in yards, and 30th in fantasy points per game uh, for the running backs. It's They completely abandoned it to, to a certain extent. Like From like week seven on, the Pittsburgh Steelers were averaging a, 50, a 73 to 25 split passing to rushing mm-hmm. attempts. That's not sustainable, especially when you're trying to nurse Big Ben through the last part of his career. Yeah. The thing with that, it's I don't think a lot of people understand. Like they don't necessarily realize because they kind of saw what he did to the end of the year. James Conner at the beginning of the season was actually a really good running back from weeks two through eight. He was a running back nine in fantasy, averaging 17.8 points per game. I think we all should can kind of believe that Najee Harris is a more talented running back than James Conner. Um, you might be looking at the next version of Le'Veon Bell in this offense. I'm not going to say he's going to average, you know, the six-plus targets per game to Le'Veon Bell because he could have been mm-hmm. a top-12 wide receiver if he didn't play running back. But uh, Najee Harris could absolutely average four to five targets per game. Throw that on with 14 to 15 rushing attempts, and the volume is through the roof for Najee Harris in this offense. Yeah, no, you're you're right, and I've just you know I'm a, a big Harris guy because I'm a you know big fan of uh, Alabama. I I just wasn't in a position in, in many drafts this year to to land him. Uh, yeah. So I was kind of disappointed uh, in that, but I, I think he's positioned for a phenomenal uh, rookie season. I guess moving on to uh, wide receiver uh, again, I'm going to go with another uh, Chicago Bears uh, player, and that's uh, Allen Robinson. He has been probably my favorite target in like the late second round. Uh, an early third round in drafts uh, for this draft season. It's just the targets will be there. I'm like, he's, again, another player that has thrived in dysfunction. Now he'll be catching passes from uh, Andy Dalton, which we're keeping our fingers crossed that, you know, he'll be catching passes from uh, Justin Fields, you know, at least uh, by week four or five or six. Again, I'm I'm very hopeful and optimistic, but either way, I'm like, Robinson can still uh, still thrive. And so he's, again, someone I've been aggressively targeting. Uh, who's a, another wide receiver for you, Tommy? Apparently we are all in on the Bears, which is a very odd thing to say for a Matt Nagy coach team because I'm going Darnell Mooney. 
Um, I absolutely love what Darnell Mooney brings to the field. I think he's a guy who can absolutely kind of break out this year. Um, everything is there when you look at, you know, his catch percentage on actual like on 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 target throws. Very odd phrase to try to say. Um, you know, you're going to get at least at minimum a lateral move with Andy Dalton going from Mitch Trubisky and the Nick Foles combination we had last year. And we know you're going to get a step even higher when you get to Justin Fields at some point, which we all do believe that this is going to happen at some point. With Darnell Mooney kind of going in that eighth to ninth round in drafts, like I, it's a phenomenal value for me. And it also kind of shows the the depth of the wide receiver position. He's a guy who I absolutely have pegged to be my, my breakout wide receiver this year. Um, so we'll kind of see if that does come to fruition. Uh, but, yeah, I absolutely love it. I said, Allen Robinson, he's going to give you that safe floor. He's got the wide receiver one upside. He could be a top five wide receiver, and no one would bat an eye. We would not be surprised about it at all. But I would peg his teammate, Darnell Mooney, to kind of be that next guy to take that step forward. Yeah, now again, another great option, especially just considering like the receiving air yards he had last year and all the yeah. different clips of, of him you know, creating separation and getting – I mean, look what he over. did to, to Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. Exactly. And then he just, if you just throw that ball anywhere within his area instead of missing it by 20 yards, that's a walk in 80 yard touchdown. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think we'll, we'll have more accuracy. At least that's the hope. I know hope's not a strategy, but going into uh, this year. So no, I, I think, uh, again, we're aligned as always uh, on that. I'll say another, uh, another wide receiver for me, I, I, I end up having him on so many teams is a uh, Texans wide receiver, uh, Brandon Cooks. And again, I think yeah. the perception is that his uh, average draft position is being influenced by the, again, the uncertainty, you know, of quarterback, uh, Deshaun Watson and what's going to happen there. But he, he can thrive like with any quarterback. I'm like, he's got, up to this point in his career, you know, at least five seasons with a thousand or more receiving yards. And I'm like, he's caught passes, you know, from Drew Brees, you know, Tom Brady, you know, Jared Goff, and looks like it'll end up being Tyrod Taylor, you know, for this year. And again, he's someone that's a really good value, you know, when you look at his ADP and again, another receiver, you know, that's a lock in that offense, just given his competition, you know, to see 120 or more targets. So I'm going to always prioritize the cheap. Uh, volume, whether it's targets or opportunity share, and Cooks is a great example of that. Yeah, I think one quick one for me is it's the, probably the cheapest wide receiver one there is in fantasy football, and that's Jacoby Myers. And we kind of just talked about uh, Mac Jones and what he brings to this offense. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacoby Myers is a guy who absolutely needs to be drafted given his ADP. Uh, we look at what he did last year for like from week nine on. Jacoby Myers was the wide receiver 22 in fantasy in a points per mm-hmm. game basis. And this is on an offense that didn't throw a passing touchdown to a receiver mm-hmm. until week 11. Um, it's that's not going to hold the same case this year. Um, so I would absolutely target Jacoby Myers based on his ADP. It's a guy who I have. Mm-hmm. He's my second most roster player at wide receiver. If I look on my at underdog, uh, where they kind of give that readily available data, yeah, uh, he's a guy who I'm absolutely all over. Just because he's he's just so cheap at this point, and he's a guy who can pencil into that Julian Edelman style role on this offense. He could get seventy to eighty targets pretty easily which is very hard to find at his uh, current draft capital yeah no that that's a that's a really good one too and he, again another player that's readily available we'll we'll close close the show out on uh, on tight ends you know i'll go through mine like really briefly then i'll pass the baton over to you well, i would say the two tight ends for me uh the first one is logan thomas a uh, great situation in washington upgraded uh weapons upgraded quarterback situation so again the targets will be there he can thrive my second one is uh, is noah fant 
I know we've got Teddy Bridgewater that's there, and Fant has continued to see success in each of his first two seasons, and he's at a prime position to be a third-year breakout tight end. So, again, he's someone that I'm also aggressively targeting, and I'm finding out that's on a lot of my teams. So, Tommy, who are your tight ends? Um, one for me, my, I think my most rostered one right now is going to be Mark Andrews, mm-hmm. um, especially given the news that we have with J.K. Dobbins. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I think it's likely that we kind of see him s- still stay involved in this offense extremely heavily, knowing that Gus Edwards isn't necessarily the biggest receiving option in the backfield. Plus, you have what's going on with Rashad Bateman and when mm-hmm. he might finally make his comeback. So for me, uh, Mark Andrews is absolutely a big target for me. Um, in his 29 active games since uh, 2019, he's averaging 13.1 points per game, tied in one in 62% of his games you i want to make sure i leave with one of the big five and a lot of times mark andrews is actually going as the last one of that group behind your travis kelsey your darren waller george kittle uh tj hawkinson and he's kind of right there in that range with him and kyle pitts you can grab either one you want to go for the sure thing who has that we know that multiple touchdown upside Mark Andrews would be the one that I would kind of look for in that kind of tier. He's also, like I said, the cheapest one. So if you're going to go for guys that are kind of in that same tier-based drafting style, Mark Andrews being the better value would be the one I would look at. Um, another for me, it's going to be Cole Komet uh, because we—I don't know why this is just a Bears episode. Adam Rank would love this right now, um, <laughs> but it, we kind of look like for up until like week 11, Jimmy Graham was actually leading the NFL in red zone targets. If you remove any portion of that. All of a sudden, Cole Komet is a massive upside uh, in this offense. What we should expect to be a fairly high passing rate offense if they are falling behind in games at that point, plus the additional boost um, from uh, James, uh, from Justin Fields. I think Cole Komet could actually absolutely be a guy, and he's actually going like in the tight end twenty plus range, which yeah. is you're doing nothing but shooting for upside. So take a shot on a guy who we've already kind of seen take over the offense last year towards the end of the season and hope that progression kind of carries over into this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, two, uh, two really good names. And so, yeah, that'll do it, you know, for this episode of In the Mood for Fantasy Football. I'll encourage anyone out there that's uh, that's listening or watching on YouTube to, uh, you know, check out all the content that we have over at Pro Football Network. I know Tommy and myself and the rest of the fantasy team, uh, we've got a, a ton of player profiles that are out there and other fantasy football draft content. So please go to profootballnetwork.com and check that out. But also, you know, please remember to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and also subscribe. For Tommy Garrett, I'm Eric Moody. Thanks for listening. And check out, again, all the great fantasy football content we've got over at Pro Football Network. Until next time.